0: Hi, Raphael and Jen, and this is season four of This New Space. And this is episode 11, God Speaks Through Wombs with Drew Jackson. And before we jump into that, what do we have going on?
1: We do. We got some fun stuff coming up. Um, we have another meetup in Costa Mesa in Orange County. And it is, if you're listening to the episode this week, it's this Saturday. If you're listening to this episode next week or anytime after that, you blew it. You totally missed <laughs> what's going on because right now it's hot. This Saturday, it's now. We have a meetup, uh, July thirtieth from seven to nine PM. Um, we had one last month and it was rad. It was really fun. It felt like a, such a sacred and really fun space. I've been anticipating this this weekend yeah. all month. Um, yeah. What were you gonna say?
0: No, I'm just. I've been looking forward to it. Me too.
1: Um, it's fun. If you don't know, or as a reminder, what is a meetup? I realized the... Um, Intentional ambiguity in that phrase. Besides uh, a whole website called Meetup, but what we're talking about right now is meetups that we're doing. Wait, what
0: is that like a hookup thing or something?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> so out of touch. It's meetups. It's the whole thing. Oh, people create meetups everywhere. Oh, okay. For different things. Well, so are we. Right. Right. That's exactly what we're doing. This particular meetup is a safe space for people with expanding faith to connect and process and keep growing in order to live more meaningful lives and create a more loving world. It's also to have tacos and margaritas and really fun conversations and connections and meet some really cool people um, and have a good time. And the truth is we're all on a spiritual journey and as we grow, as we learn, as we expand, we got questions and doubts or we get tired or disillusioned with the status quo and we figure out a lot what we don't want And then we're trying to figure out what we do want. And some people even feel a bit like a nomad spiritually. Like they don't really know where they belong. And a lot of people want to hold on to Christ, but they're trying to figure out what that means in this new expanding faith and what that looks like to embody that in everyday life. And what does it look like to see Christ everywhere? And what does it look like um, to recognize that Christ is bigger and better and more inclusive than they ever thought was possible? And so as we evolve, we can get stuck. We can grow out of familiar places into unknown places. We can desire to take a step but really not quite be sure what that step could be. And we need safe space. We need safe spaces, really, to connect with other people on similar journeys like that, to ask questions and share doubts and thoughts and like have a judgment-free, fun, taco-filled space (laughs) to process our faith (laughs) lives and really just set down the heaviness of the world for a a little bit and, and have a really good time. And so... Uh, we're, we're creating that space. That's what this meetup is. And uh, there's no cost. It's just good times. So let us know if you want to join us. You want to be part of that. Um, you could probably go to the website, philandjenwood.com, or you could even email us, hello at philandjenwood.com, and uh, let us know you're coming. We'll send you the address.
0: Also, we had our first expansion lab workshop, which was super fun. And these are just really powerful experiences. And we are doing a few more uh, free workshops over the next few weeks. And these are breathwork, sauna, and ice bath workshops in really an integrated mind, body, spirit experience. And so the dates for the next ones are Wednesday, July 27th. And if you are paying attention that's in like a few days from now it's
1: also this week yeah if you're listening to this later bummed again too bad
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that one's in the evening from 6 to 7 30 p.m and then we've got a couple wednesday august 3rd as so we are offering a lunchtime one from 12 to 1 p.m and also from 6 to 7 30 p.m and if you want to jump into those, those spaces are really limited. And you can get on the website at philandgenwood.com and sign up there.
1: Or just email us at genwood.com. Yep. Love to have you. Um. Okay. Now. Tell this, us about Drew. This conversation. Um, this was a really, really fun conversation with our new friend Drew. Um, he's a poet. He's also a pastor. He's a poet pastor. He's the lead pastor of... Hope East Village in New York. Uh, he's the author of God Speaks Through Wombs, Poems on God's Unexpected Coming, and the forthcoming collection Touch the Earth, Poems on the Way. The two books are a poetic retelling of the book of Luke with a, a, like a liberation theme running through, and it is really powerful and profound. The first one covers the first half of Luke, second one that's it, forthcoming is covering the second half. Uh, his work has appeared in Wanting, Made for Packs, the journal from the Center for Public Christianity, Fathom Magazine, and other publications. Um, he got his BA in political science from the University of Chicago, and he got his MA in theology from Fuller Theological Seminary. And Now he lives in New York City with his wife and his daughters, and he is a very, very cool dude. And we really enjoyed the chance to catch up with him and hear about what he's up to, and um, you're going to love this conversation, so check it out. Thank you for jumping on and joining us from the East Coast. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Heck yeah. Um, You pastor and you are an artist. I mean, Mm -hmm. you're a poet, artist. Mm -hmm. That is a powerful combination.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's something that, I, I, I don't know, I didn't. I never I didn't like always see myself as an artist. Hmm. Um but it's something that for sure has always been in me. Hmm. Uh it and I think it it's something that like my mom I I and she kind of she shows up a lot in this book in different ways, hmm. but uh she she was an artist. Like through and through, a writer, uh visual artist, um and so I kind of grew up in it around it um and like when i was in college i spent a lot of my free time writing hip-hop lyrics okay like that was how i sort of got started just writing what would become a poetry collection Mm. um i just i I mean i loved i loved hip-hop um i grew up on it I, I'm the youngest of four boys mm. so my my older brothers were just I mean I would ride I would ride in the back seat of their cars and just hear it all the time yeah. And I was I always say there's two kinds of hip-hop listeners there's the those who are drawn to beats first mm. and then there are those who are drawn to lyrics and I was always drawn to lyrics first ah. uh, because I loved just hearing, wordplay yeah. and ch- word choice and how how you could tell a story with these these words, but it, it wasn't just a story, it, it rhymed and it sounded and had music to it. So I like I, I wanted to to do that. And I think um that's where the seed of poetry, I think, for me was kind of first planted. Hmm. Um, now how that comes together with pat being a pastor <laughs> a pastoral ministry is like it's it's definitely something that has uh you know since i think being being a pastor particularly particularly preaching mm-hmm. like preaching I, I guess i have always seen preaching as an art yeah, as an art form yeah. right that there is um there's style to it and Very particularly much. uh you know having been around black preaching, right. There has always been black preaching has always understood itself as a particular form of art. Right. And so the black preacher is, is the sermons are going to be musical, Hmm. right. Uh, there's going to be a certain cadence to things. There's going to be, um, you know, couplets and triplets of rhyming words and think, you know, um, because that's part of the part of the way that preaching happens, part mm-hmm. of the way that the audience is meant to interact with the word and to remember it and to have it stick. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so in a way, there is a, it's not just a, a, a sort of an art form of word, it's also a performance art, the yeah. preaching act. There's yeah. this performance aspect to it. And I don't say that in a way to diminish no. the preaching of it, but, you know, as, as a way to bring the text alive, yeah. right? Um, that performative aspect to it. Absolutely. There's
1: there's a weird interplay. Yeah, you're bringing your you're bringing this thing that you've worked so hard on, but then the way that you bring it engages that room, and then suddenly, whatever it is you're bringing gets changed in the mix of what happens. Exactly. It's, it's exactly. a really powerful experience. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So, um. Why don't you, I mean, we're just getting to know each other. So can you tell us a little bit about your story? Like, tell us about yeah. where did you grow up?
2: Yeah. So I grew up on the East Coast in uh, South Jersey. So just across the bridge from Philadelphia mm-hmm. um, and was there till I was uh, 16. And then my family, so I, and my all my brothers were gone at this point. Okay. Uh, we moved down to the Atlanta area, um, so I did my senior year of high school in Atlanta. That's a wow. big move.
0: That's a tough time yeah. to move.
2: It's a, it's a big move. Yeah. Uh, it ended up being a lot of fun oh, because good. my my best friend, we have been best friends since second grade. He uh, ended up moving with us. Whoa, uh, cool. Yeah, it's it's a crazy story, but his his parents were going through a divorce at the time. And they were just like, honestly, like he's probably going to have more sort of stability mm-hmm. and a better experience of and just going with you with you all for a year. Wow! So he did, hmm. and we we had fun. It That's was an amazing. adventure. <laughs> that sounds play. like the last. <laughs> yeah. It. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so so yeah, I finished finished high school down there, and then uh, went up to Chicago for undergrad. I uh, went to the University of Chicago, studied political science with a focus in international relations. Um yeah, was there there for four years before heading out to the West Coast to to start at Fuller. Um, I I grew up in the church. Um, I mean, yeah, just can't remember not being in church. It was just kind of one of those things. Mm. Yep. Um but it was interesting because i grew up like the church that i grew up in was like super conservative like independent fundamental baptist mm-hmm. church um and and it was a predominantly white church but it was what oh. it was like white and black but the power structure was all white mm-hmm. right um and So, I mean, I could talk about that for a long time Mm -hmm. (laughs) and just my experience coming up in that and kind of how my parents navigated through that Um, because it was interesting for me, like I didn't hear anything about like God, God's heart for justice or any of that growing, like in church, it wasn't, it was really you know jesus is your personal savior Mm -hmm. fire escape all that sort of thing um but at the same time like it was at home that my my parents my mom like filled in some of the gaps um and like you can't you can't i mean coming up as A black boy in America, like you gotta, there's gotta be some grappling with issues of race and justice. Like you just, it's really hard to, to go through life and not. And my parents were really intent on teaching us about what it meant to navigate the world in these bodies that we occupy. Um, it was just that, it wasn't until much later that I was given a theology that Mm -hmm. could be wrapped around that at all. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, so, yeah, so I had this interesting thing where I'm like kind of holding these two sort of disparate and often like warring uh, realities, um, but not really knowing what to do with them, uh, until much later. So, uh, yeah, that that was sort of
0: confusing. Like, Like
2: it it was, um, it was confusing, but it was, I don't know. It's it's really hard to explain. Like I think what it, I think my parents, what I learned from my parents was that um, just because you hear it in church doesn't mean it's true. So question. Wow,
0: And so That's if they amazing. gave
2: me anything, That's they gave me that.
1: Right there.
0: I mean, especially from coming from a church like that. You know I know because that's not the norm right
2: yeah it's not so they, they just taught me to question stuff mm-hmm. um and even even more than just like sitting down and saying hey ask the questions they did it themselves I saw them mm-hmm. yeah. like actively yeah. engaged in yeah that. I saw them challenging things from from stuff I mean from the seemingly small things that weren't so small but like things like so like in the church we I mean the music was all very European. It was, it was like, you gotta listen, you gotta listen to hymns. And if it's not hymns, you can listen to country music. Like literally, (laughs) that was was what, that was what was given, (laughs) right? Um, But like, as soon as we got in the car, (laughs) we're turning, like my my mom and dad are turning on gospel and they're turning on Motown and they're turning on, like, you know what I mean? Like that's what, that's what I heard growing up in the house. And so I knew that there was something there, like, like pastor saying all this stuff about music, but y'all are listening to, you know what I mean? So like, I had to sort of like, navigate what was happening there.
3: Yeah.
1: His kids were so aware. Yeah, right? Kids are so (laughs) sharp. They pick up on everything.
2: Everything. Mm.
0: (laughs) So when was it that you were introduced to a different form of theology or different? Well,
2: um... When I, it was so it was like peppered in when I was young, like, not really directly, it was more like learning about black history, yeah. and learning about people like Frederick Douglas, right? Um, that I started to even read about folks who were followers of the way of Jesus, but understood it in a different way. Right. Uh, who were who were saying different things and challenging different things. But like it really wasn't until I got to college that stuff really started to take shape for me. Um, and a lot of it had to do with the fact that uh, I, when I got to school, um, like I said, I studied political science. My focus was international relations. And so I'm sitting in the midst of my studies and we're I mean, we're studying about like um just all of the the ways that the world is falling apart, mm-hmm. honestly. Right. We're studying about like why wars are breaking out between nations. And we're, so, you know, being an international, studying international relations in a post nine 11 world, so much of your studies is uh, what's going on with terrorism. How yes, do we make yeah. sense of this, yeah. this, this thing. Right. So sitting in the midst of that um, and all sorts of things. And so I, I, And I think this is something that came from, from my parents. Like I started asking the question, what does Jesus have to do with any of this? What does the gospel have to say to a world on fire? Right. Um, Because the gospel I was given growing up was just about me and my personal savior. Hmm. Like I started to ask Jesus directly, do you have anything to say To this and what does it mean for the church to be peacemakers in the midst of a violent world what does that mean what does that look like so I started asking that question those questions and I went to school in Chicago and so I'm I'm beginning to like ask questions about my city Mm -hmm. right I'm asking why is it why is why why is why do we see the educational and economic and um, racial and ethnic disparities and inequities in the city? Um, why, you know, why is the south side so much different than the north side? Mm. Right. Why? Like I'm asking these questions and, and bringing them back to Jesus. What do you have to say to this? Mm. You, like, do you have anything? Um, and I think that's when I started to go on a whole another journey of discovering like there's a whole lot that that i wasn't given um in the church growing up like i started reading the prophets Mm -hmm. and realized that we didn't read the prophets Hmm. we didn't read the prophets growing up and too out there they
3: didn't
2: (laughs) didn't preach the prophets. the extent of it was like isaiah 53. you know what (laughs) i mean like (laughs) (laughs) that was it that was it um it helps the
1: agenda that one helps the agenda
2: exactly Exactly. So, um yeah, I started just kind of hearing this whole different thing and then reading like I remember when I first read Luke 4 mm. and just Jesus in in this, this synagogue in Nazareth mm-hmm. and quoting reading from Isaiah 61 mm. and Jesus saying like this is why I'm here. It's me, yeah. To set the captives <laughs> free, to release those who are right? Like and I'm just like, all right. There's a lot. There's a lot for me to learn. There's a lot. There's a lot for me to learn about this Jesus that I've been told about my whole life. Um, and it wasn't a sort of a throwing away of everything that I had been given growing up because there was, there was something. What for all for all the nonsense that I had to like wade through in church, there was there was something about the intimacy that i could have with god that still resonated with my spirit okay. right that was like I, I i was like i can't lose that i don't want to lose that and so it was like how do i what does it look like to hold together the this this intimacy this this closeness thing um but at the same time be someone who is deeply, deeply engaged with the world in a way that is that is taking seriously evil and injustice. Yeah. You know? It's
1: beautiful. It's 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 like big of you and so gracious to not throw it out, but to try to distill it down and say, what was the Mm -hmm. what was it like the nugget of goodness in this thing that I need to hang on to and then just
2: expand bigger, you know? And, and I I think, and I I keep going back to them, but like my parents in particular, my mom in this regard, I I saw that from her. Mm. Um, She was going through her own transformation at the time. Um, And she, It's it's funny, like she just started she started reading the mystics. Hmm. Like and so I would go home from school for summer, and like she's just dropping the mystics on my nightstand. <laughs> like, wow.
0: What this. a great mom.
2: Read this, read I know, like um, but I think it had a lot to do with like she at the time, like, and I didn't I didn't know this at the time, but she had been diagnosed with cancer. Oh Oh, man. And she, there was just a sort of confronting of everything that was happening for her internally, her own life. Um, And, you know, I think she went through this sort of very rapid unlearning
3: Mm. of a
2: lot of things. Mm um and uh shedding of of things that just don't matter. Right. Uh and uh and so I saw I I like it was interesting like I had the I had an opportunity like even though I was in college my mom and I were very close. She passed away almost 10 years ago at this point. Mm, So sorry yeah, like I feel like I got a front row seat in a way to like that journey, wow, yeah. um, and I think that's what allowed me to 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 sort of um, you know include what needed to be included, and kind of move on from the rest of it. Yeah, um,
1: dude, that's so powerful because so many of us confront. Every- I love that language, confront everything. Because, like, because we have to, because it's like she's facing something like that. But for yeah. her to teach you how to confront everything, just to live a daily life—I mean, that is the mystic journey. Yeah, and most people don't get taught that.
2: No, yeah. I, I I know that now. Hmm. I didn't realize it then. Yeah. Um, she she had this thing that she would say to me all the time, like her 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 So she had two passages of scripture that like. Sort of just live were her hmm. were the clothes that she wore, if you will, right. So John fifteen um, was one of them, just vine in the branch, abide in me, like that. That whole language and uh, Psalm forty six, um, be still and know that I am God, right um, and but one of the things she said, she would always say to me is she would say, she would say, Drew, just learn what it means to abide in Christ. Everything else will take care of itself. And mm-hmm. and for a long time I, I was like, what does that mean? Right. Yeah. That's like some beautiful <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Uh and but I realized I've I've begun to realize over the years what she was saying about the sort of living, living in the reality of oneness, mm. right? Of, of understanding oneness with, with God and with all things, yeah. uh, which is so much of what that, that picture, that parable is getting at um, where Jesus is just talking about, like, look, just remain connected. And, and to understand that that's like the final words that Jesus is leaving with his disciples before he's going to be arrested is remain connected, remain in my love, abide in my love, just stay there. And out of that, you'll bear much fruit mm-hmm. out of that. Like just learn, learn what it means to be a conduit, a vessel, um, a, a vessel for divine love and, uh yeah. So I think it's just been a journey of like learning that and then unlearn unlearning so much of the other stuff that gets in the way of that. Yeah. You know? it's, it's a lot to unlearn.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. It's
0: so beautiful that she gave you that example though, as a parent. Mm-hmm. Like this is the journey. You yeah. can let things go that aren't lining up for you anymore. Yeah. Or you can you can continue to grow and expand and it can, it can continue to look, yeah. it's going to evolve, you know, yeah. and to have that feel normal and just normalize mm-hmm. that, to have your mom be, uh, modeling that your whole life. Mm-hmm. That's so beautiful.
2: Yeah. When I went to, when I started seminary, um, she said, <laughs> she said, uh, you know, when you, she said, my prayer, my prayer for you is that when you get to the end of your seminary journey, that you would be uh, closer to, um, I believe it was uh, Isaiah 55, than you are now. Hmm. And there's a particular passage where, where Isaiah is just, is talking about basically how much he doesn't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. How 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 yeah. sort of expansive God is. Um and this sort of this sort of like reality of never becoming never becoming an expert. Mm, come on. Always no. being yeah. on this so journey of learning and knowing. You know what I mean? Yep. So um because she because she knew what seminaries can tend to do.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Cemetery.
2: Yeah. We becoming, we becoming a master of divinity.
0: <laughs> you know? uh, oh, interesting. Don't knock my title,
2: Other bro. way around. But it's like, but this is, so this is where the poet in me is, is like, I think about these things. It's like the words that we use are so important. Totally. The words that Absolutely. we speak over ourselves Totally. Are so it's,
1: it's ridiculous. Masters title.
3: of divinity.
1: <laughs>
2: like, think about that. It's, right?
1: I mean, it's absurd. <laughs> if you say it's it, absurd. You have to. You have to laugh when you say it. you yeah. Because what? You got it all
0: figured out now? What? Like. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know what's funny is
1: the doctor of ministry is it a demon. It's like a demon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you just keep going far enough.
1: Uh, whenever somebody says they have a demon, I just laugh. I'm like, that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's so expensive. um
0: okay so your book (laughs) it's it's a collection of poetry right and um why did you choose luke i'm curious as the gospel to -hmm. write this poetic it's a poetic telling Mm -hmm. um for those who haven't heard of his book and what's the name of your book do you want
2: to oh god speaks through wombs
0: yeah and you have another one coming out soon which i'd love to talk about as well but why luke
2: yeah um so a couple reasons um when i when i started writing this i didn't set out to write a book okay um i came to it as more of a spiritual practice for myself mm. um i started writing this at the beginning of the pandemic oh. and so being here in new york mm. it's like everything was just crazy we're on Lockdown, um, and I have uh, my wife and I have twin girls. They were five years old at the time. Oh man! So we're we're <laughs> That's in so a, hard, you know, a tiny Manhattan apartment. Yeah, and it's just all we hear outside are sirens, mm. like day and night. It's yeah. just like you know, you know what that is, right? So it's um, I needed something to opened me up during that time uh and i i I say poetry poetry found me Mm. uh then um it was a combination of that and then everything that was happening with racial violence
3: yeah
2: Uh, ahmaud arbery brianna taylor and then george floyd like all of that happening and um Yeah, poetry just became this thing, both the reading of poetry and the writing of poetry became just a a practice for me to to be to be becoming aware of like what was going on underneath the surface for me, um, what was happening sort of in my own emotional interior landscape um, and to put words to that somehow. Um, And so I just started writing and reading, but we were also at the time preaching preaching through uh the psalms like some of the psalms we're spending time in the psalms and in particular we decided we wanted to sit in book two of the psalms
3: mm-hmm.
2: um and you know the psalms are broken up into five books across their 150 chapters mm-hmm. and the the ancient the rabbis used to talk about how those the the psalms are in conversation with the themes of the five books of Torah. Hmm. So they sort of correspond, but they're not commentaries on them. They're yeah, just in yeah. conversation sort of with the themes. And so in book two, right, it would be in conversation with the 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 book of Exodus, hmm. the themes of that uh, of that book. And if you read the some of the like the Psalms within book two, they sound a lot different. Uh, when you read them with the backdrop of the exodus. Oh, yeah. Uh, of, of just God's God's heart to, to liberate those who are oppressed, to set those who are enslaved free. And, um, right, like, so when you when you read a psalm that's like, as the deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul thirsts for you, oh God. It, it becomes more than just this is uh, a sort of individual person who was longing for God. You start to hear the cry of a people who are who are thirsting in a dry and weary land where there is no water, right? Yeah, who are yeah. crying out Absolutely. for deliverance. And so, I just got curious as to what poetry would sound like uh, today if it were if it if it were to emerge from a conversation with the Gospels.
1: Oh, well, that's fascinating.
2: And in particular, I was drawn to Luke because Luke is already a gospel that is in, is particularly interested in centering the voices of those who have been marginalized. Um, uh, so whether that's the poor, um, or women, right. Mm-hmm. Luke is, yeah. is very intentional about doing that, um, more so than any of the other gospel writers. And, and so, yeah, I, I just wanted to sort of talk with them, uh, Talk with the the voices that Luke was centering in his telling of this narrative. Um, partly, but part of that was because, um, you know, during that time where everything is, you know, everything's going on, it's not, you know, obviously nothing new in terms of racial violence, but the sort of what was happening in that moment, right? Uh, intensified, yeah. So much of uh, my experience in that was having people, you know, tell me in various ways that my own experience, um, of, of experiencing w- racism in the weight of white supremacy, like, uh, that, that my experience was somehow, you know, manufactured or made up or,
3: oh.
2: um, you know, I, I, I'm I'm making too much of it or uh, like things along those lines like gaslighting you in different ways you know um and so it was I just wanted to talk to some folks who 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 knew (laughs) yeah Yeah, and 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 that was like one of the things that I had come to learn over the years is that like this text this scripture that we read was written was written by folks who who knew what it was like yeah. to live under on the underside of empire, Absolutely. right? Who had a history of of um, knowing that as a people, and so I was like, let me let me talk to them for a little while and see what they have to say. Mm-hmm. And so that's sort of where where this book came from, mm. uh, and and I wanted to do that. I wanted to come to the text and not put my blackness to the side, right? Mm -hmm. My experience of being a black man in America to the side, like I wanted to bring all of it uh, to this conversation. And uh, because so often I've been told whether directly or indirectly that, you know, in order to interpret scripture rightly, right? You have to put those things to the side. You have to be. Wow. Have have some sort of objective. (laughs) Totally, I know what you mean. You know what I mean? Like I do. And as if you could, as if you could, (laughs) Uh,
1: as if yeah, as if you
2: could. And it's like, no, you know, all of us, all of us have lenses that we that we wear when we come to the text, and as we're interpreting, and it's not to say, and it's like. The lenses that we wear aren't necessarily bad things. Oh, no, they just are. Requires honesty, but they become just, problematic yeah, when we can't acknowledge the, that we have lenses there on. There you go. Yeah. That's really well said. Yeah. Beautiful. Because we all do.
0: And mm-hmm. I think, man, yeah, that's so well said. Even as I'm thinking, as you're saying this, like coming to the text, I love what you said that you could come as a black man and bring all of that to it. And I'm thinking of as a woman engaging in the text mm-hmm. in that way and being like, no, but I am a woman engaging mm-hmm. in this and mm-hmm. allowing myself to be fully who I am. And I, I, that that is a different way to think about it. I love mm-hmm.
1: that. Well, it's, it's okay. You said it really, really well, that it, it's the scriptures written by people that have lived on the underside of empire. And that's mm-hmm. what it is, the whole thing. And then the whole thing. our Christian tradition got hijacked by the empire three centuries yeah. in, very, very early. Mm-hmm. And now the whole thing is like an imperial tradition, really. It's yeah. just stacked on top of itself again and again and again. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, as you're reading it through your lens, it's like anyone that tries to read it from that other lens than that imperial sort of majority mm-hmm. superior lens gets like immediately gaslighted because it, it it like subverts the whole thing. It like puts a light on it, it going, this thing got stole a long time ago. And yeah. and people almost can't hear that. They can't handle that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard for, it's hard for people to hear people who have come up um and been formed by this mm-hmm. reading and interpretation of, of scripture um sc- sort yeah. of, as a, as an imperial text. And, um, and I always say like, and this is one of the things that I often talk to our, our church about is that like whenever we read any portion of the text, it's important for us to understand our social location mm-hmm. to, to, to understand who we are, um, in our reading mm. and that, uh, <clears throat> you know, to remember that Rome did not write this text. <laughs> and so when we when we read this, and especially, so there's like, we have to, we have to re- like reading it as Americans. Yeah. yeah. Right? There's that part of it. The new empire. And understanding that like, yo, we're not Israel or Rome. Like America's Rome in the text. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so how do you, how do you, how do you read that? right? Um, like that, that should, that should inform, that should be one of the lenses that we're wearing when we come to the text, yeah. that like, we've been formed by and in, and for the the purposes of Rome, right? right. Like, so, People so what does that do to time. how we're interpreting things, yeah. if we're not aware of it? Yeah. Right. And then obviously, you, you start to sort of get into the nuances of that and begin to break that down and say, okay, like, but to be to be black in america is a different experience than to be white in america. Yeah. Right. How am I you know so it's like then you start to get into like what what are the different things this the text is doing and what it's speaking to and um yeah it, it's it's I I love like for like one of my favorite texts in Luke is is uh Mary's Magnificat, mm. right? And right, you 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 can read that text, and one most people when they hear that text don't realize don't realize that that text has been banned from being (laughs) read in public spaces and in liturgies in different countries throughout history. Yeah, Um, because India, Argentina, like (laughs) it's 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 been banned. Yeah, Um, and there's a reason for that. Revolutionary. Um, But what one of the things that I love that Mary's doing in that text. Is that the the thing that she's speaking is just plain like it is it's it's good news, right? Yeah. This this whole idea of of casting casting the powerful down from their thrones, sending the rich away <sighs> empty, filling the hungry with good things, right? Lifting up those who are, who have been crushed, like to 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 for Mary, that is a text of good news, yeah. right? But it is much harder to hear as good news right. for those who are who are in a certain position, right? right. But who it's are benefiting. Good news. Exactly. Right. but it's right. it's hard to hear it as good news, but it is good news. Right. Like yeah. how do you like for, to say that it is it is good news for you to be pulled down from your throne of power. Mm-hmm. Like that's gospel to you. That's gospel for you. <laughs> that that it's like that's why Jesus says like it is it is nearly impossible for a rich man to enter yeah. the kingdom. Yeah. You know, so it's like I, I think that those are like we gotta start to sort of grapple with those things as those who have come up and been formed in this American empire. And be like, okay, how does the how does the good news of the gospel come to us? Yeah. It sounds more like being pulled down from mm-hmm. thrones, because
0: it is. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah it's, no, and it, and it is hard because it's a humbling. Yeah. But and it's a dying to yourself, but at the same time, it's like if you care about humanity and if you care about people, yeah. and if you look at Jesus, to me, it's like it's such a more beautiful picture, really? and when we're all like when others are freed we're all freed like I just I to mm. me it's like actually we're we're all being liberated in this as as more and more people are being liberated and more and more people are um being brought up or whatever it's equalized it, yeah it's it actually helps everyone so if you want exactly. to look at it at a in a selfish way
1: yeah <laughs> but it, it looks like death and but it does there's <laughs> no. a dying and yeah yeah it mm. does it's always a death i think that's about the center of the story is death and resurrection yeah because the only way that it works
2: mhm and when you gives. realize how difficult it is for us who've been formed in with this ideology of of like pursuing my own happiness my own independence um mm, yeah. like we're we're indoctrinated to believe that that we are disconnected from everybody else yes absolutely right. yeah and so, when you when you hear that salvation is I'm not free until we're all free, you you reject that as heresy immediately. Hmm. Immediately, well,
1: because it's threatening to the institution. It's threatening to yeah your personal liberty and wealth. There's there's like a confusion in America with like gospel and freedom and what that actually yes. means. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's odd, but yeah. it's not because it's imperial and it makes yeah. sense. Okay, mm-hmm. hey, you said that it's difficult to speak that message into that world. And I think full circle, that's, that's the, the genius of your poetry mm. is sometimes you just have to creatively, <laughs> subversively. It's like the, um, a lot of people listen to, like you are saying that, like the beat of hip hop or the lyrics of hip hop, even if people are just caught in the beat of it and they're not quite yeah. aware of what the lyrics are saying, they're still hearing the lyrics, you know? <laughs> so they're, they're hearing the form And then the words are like seeping in and you're almost you're subversively bringing a message that um, people let their guard down to hear.
2: Yeah, it's 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 like um, when like Emily Dickinson, she says, you know, tell all the truth, but tell it slant. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's that sort of I'm I'm telling you, but I'm telling it in a way that you might not even realize what it is until it, it until hit you or too much later on, or like, you know what I mean? And that is a little like something that I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that I'm always thinking about with poetry. Yeah. Uh, you know, poetry uh, and the poet June Jordan said this, she said poetry is a political act, mm-hmm. right? Um, to, uh, to write poetry, um, you you are dealing with the political all the time. Um, but, but most of the time when people read poetry, it's, they're not even. No. Yeah. And and part of it is because like, when you, if, and this is like, why I think it is so important to recognize, like we, how we read genres of things is important, especially when we're, when we're dealing with the the Bible, right. Understanding that there's different genres in scripture. Right. Mm -hmm. And even how we read texts of poetry in scripture which make up 30 to 40 percent of the bible right. right it's like we we need to read it different but like when you come to poetry most people come in a more unguarded way mm-hmm. to it right um because poetry is not typically trying to make an argument mm-hmm. right. it's not it's not proving a point to you um mm-hmm. and It is, but it's not, it's like, you don't realize it. It's like, you don't, it's not like you're entering into it, like you would enter into a debate. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and so there's uh, a sort of unguardedness there. Um, And uh, I think that's, that there's a reason why the prophets were poets. Mm -hmm. Right. Like if you read the prophetic text. They're all poetry, actually. Um, or even if you're reading the parables of Jesus, Jesus uses so many poetic devices in his yeah. parables, yeah. Um, and it's it's almost to say like. I, I often say this that I, I think at the end of every poem, right? There's a there's an invisible line that exists that says, "Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear." Absolutely, right. and it's just. Uh, and um, yeah, so I don't know. I think that's it. it sort of sneaks in, um, but but because poetry is what it is, a lot of people will walk away frustrated with it <laughs> because <laughs> totally. we want because because we want answers.
0: I was gonna say, where's the clarity? Where's the answers? Where's want, the like? Tell me what to do.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's not a. It's not a. You know five here's your five steps to becoming a a racially just person like that's not Mm -hmm. what poetry is trying to do um but we like we want that yeah we want that so bad and uh and i think that what poetry is trying to do more than anything is invite us to sit with the questions It's it's invite us to invite us back into the mystery of things um to 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 not just run away from like the, the questions that are emerging because like we don't have an answer for them and we need an answer because the answers are our anchors. Like, right. no, like sit in the complexity of the question longer, linger there. Yeah. Um, be, allow yourself to be transformed in the process. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I think that's, I mean, that, that's what it means to be a, a student of something, right? right? That is the core of, I would argue, the core of discipleship. It's to, to be invited by Jesus into the question of being human.
3: Exactly. Into
2: the question of what it means to navigate this world and be an image bearer and be like all of those things. It's like, sit with that, just sit with it. Um, so that's what, that's why I love poetry, because I think that's what it, at its best, what it's doing.
0: Would you be open to reading one of your poems right sure. now? Do you have something available you could read to I was, us?
2: I was going to ask you if you, had, if you had something you wanted me to read. You <laughs> um, could pick
0: one. The one that you did for Juneteenth was...
2: Oh, okay. So that's not in the book, but I can read it. Okay. Um, but did you have one picked out? But from if the you book? have another
0: one from the book, that would be great too. Up to you.
2: Um,
1: sure. <laughs> that flips you back boy <laughs> <I'm like, laughs> well, I, right. I, I saw that you were going for something and i
2: well I have the book here so right. I, yeah. yeah um hmm all right I'll do I'll do this one it's um i think this one in in a lot of different ways it uh really sort of hits at the some of what i was talking about when i was saying like coming to the this text and being in conversation with the people who are on the underside of things and like me bringing my experience to that so this this text is from luke chapter 3 verse 20 which is a text where jesus finds out that his cousin john has been arrested and Um, this This poem is called, The Waters of My Weeping. One of my brothers, my cousins added to the number of your incarcerated masses, one in three of us. Unarmed, yes, a threat, yes to your abuse of power, and the way you sit so comfortably in your palace while we struggle to eat out in these streets. But in this hour, I weep again for this innocent man baptized into your carceral system, immersed into this jail with no bail. I am forced to witness this unholy sacrament this state-sponsored religious act. And for what? Something about his person disturbed you. Maybe by passing him through these waters, you will convert him to the faith of unsacred silence. One way or another. I'm sorry that it frightens you when we fight for our humanity. But tonight I cry, these tears have become my food. I dip myself in the pool of the waters of my weeping for my brother, for my cousin, for all of us until they stop locking us.
3: That was good. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm.
1: The way you write it, and the way that you read it, it draws you in so much that
2: it's like you enter that thing. This uh, this poem, like, it really. Like I, I, when I, when I read, so that verse where Jesus finds out that John's being arrested, John's been arrested, it's not a, it's a transition verse in the text. It's not like a major, like, you know what I mean? And I was just stopped. I was stopped by it because, Mm -hmm. because Jesus is a human being Yeah, (laughs) and he's hearing, he's hearing that his cousin has been arrested and we know that this isn't something that's like, Oh, this just happened once. Like this is something that Jesus and Jesus's people knew Mm -hmm. well, like being, being harassed, arrested by the authorities. Um, And and so I'm just like, what's going on within the human space of Jesus at this point? Um, I can't say for sure, but I know what goes on in the human space of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. and, and I was taken to a time where I was, um, I had the privilege of leading a retreat for um some college-aged, a group of college-aged Black men in the greater Los Angeles area. Uh, we took, we had a group, of, a group of them and went just to, we got a house like up in the hills and it just like, we're like, we're gonna spend the weekend there and we're just gonna chill and we're gonna, you know, just spend time. But we wanted the retreat to be something that was intergenerational. So um, I invited my dad, flew him out from the East Coast. My father-in-law flew him out. Um, One of my my best friends uh, who is, uh, he was actually my, when I was in undergrad, he was doing some volunteer staff work with InterVarsity with Black students on campus. And so I flew him out. And we just spent some time. But one of the things that we did was we wanted to create some space for lament. Mm. And it was a room full of, you know, 18, 19, 20 year old black men and all of us. And, we're, and we asked the question, how many, how many of you right now know somebody who's in the prison system. Every single person in that room raised their hand, every person. And there was this moment where we all just looked around at each other and people just started weeping. And it was one of the most powerful experiences that that I've had in ministry. Um. and i was just taken to that that moment and those tears and imagining jesus weeping those same tears yeah. for for his own people and for his cousin right and so that's where this poem came from
3: mm-hmm.
2: yeah wow.
0: thank you for sharing that and thank you for writing this it's it's incredibly brilliant how you've woven together current realities with the Jesus reality and what they were faced, like the scriptures. And it's, it's wow. Um,
1: because we're sacred.
0: I know that we are kind of short on time here. So I wanted to wrap up. We've been asking everybody uh, the same question that we've, we've been interviewing in this season is called this new space. Mm-hmm. And we've been talking about this new space that, a lot, you know, we're all finding ourselves in um, yeah. kind of coming out of a pandemic, obviously with all of the different, um, social issues that were so many things that we're facing, but particularly, um, like in this faith kind mm. of space that we're in, um, what is giving you hope right now? Mm.
2: It's, uh, this is always an interesting question. um it's giving me hope right now if anything (laughs) um my daughters Mm. just spending time with them and watching them um they're seven getting ready to turn eight and i see i what gives me hope is their imagination and their imagination for a better world i mean even now yep the things that they dream up uh you know (laughs) they joke they 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 talk they'll they'll say things like um because they're so they're twins right and they say they say stuff like you know sissy Sissy's going to be president. I'm going to be her vice. Yes. So good. (laughs) And I say, and I'm like, what? Okay. I'm like, what's your platform? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, what are you going to run on? And they just like, they just say stuff that's just like, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we want to, we probably, we probably, you know, enact some policies that would. Um, allow us to, to protect the trees. Mm. This is, you know, do something so that, so that the people that we see our neighbors so that they can have a home. Mm. Um, You know, just, just things like that, that. I didn't tell them to say that,
3: Mm.
2: you know, but those are the things that like they, think about and they comes to their imagination and they when they're in school and they're doing their little writing projects like they write about those things and like um and so it's like I'm hopeful because I know that that is what lives in children yeah and I'm also at the same time I hold that with a sort of a deep um what's the word I'm looking for um there's a, just a, there's just a deep responsibility mm-hmm. yeah. that we have of, of allowing our children to have space to cultivate that sort of imagination, to continue to cultivate it, to have that not be stolen away. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, or sort of influenced by the sort of, imperial american things that we were talking about yeah right right. because we were and i think that's the thing is to realize that like all of us were there Mm. all of us were there at some point and that the journey the journey is to become like children again right Mm. um to have the audacity to imagine a world beyond this one yeah Mm -hmm. that is more beautiful right uh that that works for everybody Um, and, and so they give me hope because, um, I know that they exist in the world (laughs) and because I also know that, um, this is, they're, they're instructive for my own journey. I think, um, so yeah, just, uh, yeah, I think that's that's what I would say to that question. Oh,
1: I love it. Mm-hmm. I've really, really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit. Hearing yeah,
2: same, know. same.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, where can people find you? What, where can they find your book? And then you have a new book coming out. Yeah, calling called Touch the Earth. Poems yeah. on the way.
2: That mm-hmm. comes out
0: in two thousand and twenty three.
2: Yeah, January tenth. Okay, All right. yeah, so soon. So- soon it's coming uh so yeah you can find the book uh anywhere anywhere books are sold so um, anywhere you get your books um support independent bookstores if you can um we love that uh and uh in terms of finding me you know social media instagram d jackson poetics um i'm there uh i i guess it's when it comes to social media that's where i am most um I'm also on Twitter. Um, Yeah. So.
1: All right. We'll, we'll put all that in the the notes of the podcast so everybody can see it.
0: Thank you so much for your time. And thank you for the work that you're doing and the beauty that you're putting out in the world. It's both beautiful and calling us forward to something better. Um, It's challenging and beautiful all all at once, which is a really special thing. We're just grateful for you.
2: Thank you. Thank
0: you. Enjoy your daughters today. I hope you guys get to do something fun together. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to check out our website, philandjenwood.com, for coaching, resources, and events.
1: And if you enjoyed this, feel free to subscribe. You can even leave a review. Keep going. See you next time.